But I'd like to have you turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 1, the very first chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to just venture up. I've been studying most of the morning um, this text. It's really intriguing to me the way it's laid out. Um, I love the book of Acts. I love the entire book of the Bible, obviously, but uh, there's so much... um, in the book of Acts that applies to us in in gospel advance, in uh, the early church and the way they did things and how things happened in order and how God orchestrated things. And, and uh, I am just highly engaged and intrigued with, especially even, I would say, the first half of the book of Acts, just uh, brand new believers, uh, exploding church. So... Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 10, and I think you'll see how this applies to, and I'll, I'll probably say this a few times over the next few days, uh, because um, every, most everybody here understands the significance of the conference that's going on, and I just like, I'd like us to focus on that. I'd like us to focus on, um, and there's a reason for that, I'll get to that, but uh, the focus on what's happening in Greenville, South Carolina, and the campus of Bob Jones University, and specifically with the Foundations Conference. But with that in mind, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 10 says this, And while they were gazing into heaven, as he, Christ, went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee. Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So as I was, as I was reading this this morning, um, one of the things that's very easy to do is to read the scripture with a, with a modern-day context. Uh, we have to remember that this was all brand new to them. Even though we know the scripture well, and we know that the Lord had been crucified and risen, and um, now he has ascended, but this was all brand new to them. So they were, they were gazing up into heaven. They had to be wondering, what just happened? This, we've never seen this before. What in the world just happened? Or what on the earth, um, just happened. So, uh, and maybe, maybe even, what do we do now? What, what's our next step? Um, what in their minds were they to do now that Jesus was no longer with them after he had been with them for 33 and a half years? Um, what marked their lives now, I mean, what was this is the this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the lowest common denominator. What were these people to do? So, verse twelve says, "And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. And if you've been to Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is just separated from Jerusalem by the brook Kidron. It's uh, one side of the Mount of Olives is uh, the whited sepulchers, if you will, kind of a graveyard, and you kind of go down to the bottom, and on the other way, back up to Jerusalem, you've got the Garden of Gethsemane there. So um, this is very, very close proximity is what I'm saying. So uh, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. 
Hmm. So this is an interesting dynamic. Um, it's easy to just read over this and say, oh, yes, well, they went into the upper room. But this, at least in our context, in our thinking, this ought to trigger something in our minds. What, what has happened? Is this the same upper room? I believe it was. There's no indication that it's any different. In fact, the article before the upper room, the, indicates that it was a, a, a known place, not just necessarily another upper room, but this is the upper room. Um, and if it, if it is the same, what had happened in this place earlier? So we do know that in this upper room, uh, the Lord spent the last few hours of his life with his disciples. He ate food with them. He ordained what we would call in some churches communion or the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. He ordained this. It was the beginning of the new covenant in this upper room. It's in this upper room in John 17 that he had the high priestly prayer with his disciples. So, um, but now here's, this is, I'd never thought of this until this morning. And maybe you're going to say, well, Rick, you should have thought of this a long time ago and probably should have. Um, have you ever as a teenager and maybe you are a teenager, but have you ever come home? And I, I mean, I grew up in a good home, both parents together, still, um, um, solid home, joyful home, happy home, but you come home from school or you come home from college and the place is quiet. Okay, the place of normal activity where you would expect to hear a mother's voice or a father's voice and there's nothing. And you realize this is incomplete. I'm here all by myself. Now think of this. The last time they were in the upper room, Jesus was there with them. Now they were coming back and he's not there. There must have been a strangeness to this. There must have been a, a soberness to this. This is something that Jesus now, they understood, had died for them. Um, so they, they, they came into the upper room, and uh, maybe even the entrance into the upper room, and I'm speculating, and I understand that, I'm speculating, but maybe the entrance of the upper room was was a unique entrance to them. This was... Hmm, we didn't understand all the things that Jesus was saying, but now we're getting it. Now we're understanding more, and they're saying he was demonstrating his love for us, and now he has fully demonstrated his love for us in dying and rising and ascending. And so they're entering, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all these with one accord. Now there's a play on words there. All these, multiple, with one accord. And the, the verb or the words there, one accord, has to do with an internal, and it would have to be internal, couldn't be well, external effects, I guess, but an internal oneness of heart and mind. This is a unity of spirit. 
I am not an athlete, and I, I could never dream of being an athlete. Um, but my understanding of athletics would lead me to believe that this is like a sports analogy or could have a sports analogy, a, a marathon, multiple runners, um, one goal. So uh, this is an ar- a military analogy. So there's a, there's a task for the Army. There's a task for the military. And there's many soldiers, one goal, and take that hill or control that city or whatever the case may be. So all of these people with one accord, um, almost as if they are focusing on the most important. If we die, we will have died in zeal, an army person would say, a soldier person would say. Um, And this one accord is stated 10 times in the book of Acts. So our Lord wants us to see something. Um, this is so important, and this is only this type of zeal is only possible by the Holy Spirit to unite hearts together. So, um, some of you know the book called Strong's Concordance, written by a guy named James Strong. James Strong would have lived through the New York City prayer meeting time, uh, mid eighteen hundreds, and of this text uh, or of this thought of being in one accord. He says, as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. So we have this, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Well, I am 10 seconds over time, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to make a final application here. I think it's very interesting that Luke mentions the women here. That he didn't just say all these people, but he specifically mentions the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So um, this is not just a personal application, and it's not just the men. This is an indication to us that spiritual warfare needs a network of people, multiple people, men and women. Um, I grew up in a culture where women did not pray in church. I mean, uh, there's uh, Deborah Merrill on our on our call here, was uh, in our church when I was pastoring in Colorado, and she was the very first lady who would stand in a prayer meeting and pray. <laughs> I mean, this is years ago. But uh, our culture just did not do that. And, um, but here's women gathering with the men in prayer. And I think it's beautiful. So verse, uh, it could actually, another translation says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So evidently the norm, the normalcy of their culture was not good enough they needed something different they needed i think it was andrew that said a while back they needed a new normal they needed a new normal so the first christians turned the world upside down in the space of a generation spread through jerusalem to virtually every country in the civilized world our one accord christianity So I'm going to encourage us to pray for the Foundations Conference. And most of you know that in 2019, 
There were that was the third conference, I believe. But in 2019, the Lord burdened Stephen Lee's heart for uh, an extended time of prayer, and he encouraged people to gather on Saturdays and pray. And then near the U.S. elections in 2020, uh, we started praying uh, daily, and it really just never stopped. But uh, now it's 2021, and um, we have one accord praying. I'm going to call this upper room praying. Not that I'm quoting a phrase, but let's let's equate this Luke, this Acts 1 with what we're doing. I'd like to just to have us view ourselves as in the upper room praying for gospel advance at the Sermon at the Foundations Conference. This is uh, gospel advance praying, and as the instruments of a great orchestra with one director, the Holy Spirit, um, let's be praying for this conference. And uh, may there be great things done as a result. I, I jotted some things that we could be praying for. Let's be praying for the speakers. Let's be praying for the, the Holy Spirit unction in the speakers. Let's be praying for hearers to be have anointed hearts and, uh, and Holy Spirit-directed hearts. Let's be praying for guests. There's going to be people come that just uh, maybe hadn't planned on being there. Be praying for guests, saved and un- unbelievers and believers alike, uh, for the uh, sermon audio staff that's uh, putting this on. Let's pray for the, the effect on the campus of Bob Jones University. Let's be praying for those traveling, even the health of those gathering. Um, it's always uh, disconcerting when you have a, a keynote speaker get ill, get sick. And um, so let's be praying for health. Let's be praying for more laborers, gospel laborers, as a result of the the meetings, as a result of the praying. 